Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. What if I told you that the most unexpected miracle of the Christmas story in the Bible is not the virgin birth of the Son of God? Now, the birth of the Messiah is a wonderful miracle, and I will talk more about that on Christmas Eve. I hope you come back tomorrow night. But if we're fair, that birth wasn't all that unexpected. For centuries, the prophets had been calling out that the Messiah would be born, that God would send a Redeemer, that God Himself would come down and be Emmanuel. The prophet Micah had even told us the place from you, O Bethlehem, shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel. No, the, the astounding miracle is not the birth but it is that Mary, pregnant out of wedlock, admitting that the child is not her fiancé's, Mary is allowed to live. The law in Deuteronomy was quite clear. Her actions were to be punished by stoning and the people of her village had the right to execute that judgment. But they don't. Perhaps they were sympathetic to Joseph's pleas. He was the aggrieved party, so if he could live with the shame, so be it. Or maybe they simply couldn't find Mary. It could be that her trip to her cousin's village was more than just a familial visit, but an escape plan. Similar to the one she and Joseph would eventually have to do as they escaped to Egypt. But regardless of the circumstance, whether she escapes or whether the village just gives up, Mary is alive at the end of Luke chapter 1, and that is miraculous. And what if I told you, in addition, Luke, the writer of this gospel, wants you to laugh a little bit at the irony of this whole situation. Mary, a pregnant, unwed teenager, visits the home of her elderly cousin, the wife of a priest, who is also, for the first time in her life, pregnant. These two women are not supposed to be pregnant, but they are. When Elizabeth hears Mary's voice, she feels her own child leap in her womb, and then she does something else that she shouldn't do. She speaks the words of the priest's blessing. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. These words were what a priest would say to bless a pregnant woman, but her husband, Zechariah, the priest, 
is unable to speak. And so Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, doesn't let tradition get in the way of the joy of this moment of when the mother of God came to see her. Now I know that we're all good Protestants, and so we get just a bit uncomfortable with too much Mary talk. And we're not quite sure what to do with Mary. We unwrap her at Christmas, put her in the nativity, and then at the end, wrap her back up and put her away. So let me offer a few observations this morning for what we good Methodists, good Protestants, or just good people should think about Mary. First, remember that Mary is the only person who is an eyewitness to the entirety of Jesus' life. She's there at his birth, in his childhood, in his adult ministry, at his death, at his resurrection. She is even there at his ascension, the only human in all of time who got to see it all. She was there when the heavenly host proclaimed good tidings and she was there when the heavens opened to receive the ascending Lord. She was the first to stoop down and tend to his skinned knee and she was there to see the wounds at the cross by which the world was saved. Her consistent presence throughout the gospel is enough reason that we should think about Mary more. Second, Mary has a quite prominent place in the creeds of the church. That standard list of what Christians believe that are recited by Catholics, Orthodox, Anglicans, Lutherans, Methodists, some Presbyterians, all of them state in their creeds and hold a special place for Mary. In fact, if you notice, other than Jesus, there are only two other people who get named in the creeds, Mary and Pilate. When we state what we believe as Christians, we talk about Mary and we talk about Pilate. You see, the Roman governor reminds us of humanity's tendency to use violence as a means of control, but Mary reminds us that in love there is great strength. She serves as a counterpoint in the creed. And it is Mary's example of humility and obedience which is perhaps the most significant reason why we should think about her more. She is a beautiful example of what it means to be a disciple. See, for a moment, don't think of Mary as the Mary you have seen in your nativity or the Mary of medieval paintings and statues and great cathedrals. Think of Mary as the real flesh and blood young woman raised in a little village in Israel. A young Jewish girl, maybe 14 or 15 years old, a member of a devout and yet poor family, 
descendant from both the tribes of Levi and Judah, preparing to enter into an arranged marriage with a guy that she may be new but never got to spend any time with before announcing, here's your new husband. Think of that young woman and of the unexpected visit she receives one day from someone claiming to be an angel of the Lord who tells her the Holy Spirit will bring to conception within your body a holy child, one who will be called the Son of the Most High God. I'm sure Mary didn't understand it all. I have three degrees and I have a hard time sometimes. To understand that the Son of God would come to live on earth, she must have been afraid. Afraid of what her parents would think? Afraid of what Joseph would do? Afraid of what might happen to the child promised to her? But Mary displays the virtues that made her God's choice in the first place when she responds with humility and obedience. And when her cousin Elizabeth offers a blessing, she responds with a song of praise. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary sings a song. A song of praise that reminds us of the wonderful promise of God. The mighty acts He has done and will do for each of us. we would do well to remember Mary's song. We would do well to remember the truth that Mary helps us to hear that God does not make a promise and then abandon us, but rather God fulfills each promise. Not only that, that God comes to dwell with us, to live among us, to share in life and in love and to share in the joy and the pain that life can bring. To show us a better way to live, a way of abundant living that leads to even life beyond death. Mary is the first disciple to know this truth and to believe. I choose to think that Jesus, like any other son, from time to time ran to his mother for comfort, let her dry his eyes, rock him gently, sing a sweet lullaby in his ear, and I know that each of us, whether it was our biological mother or someone who was like a mother to us, all of us know what it's like to hear the words of comfort and assurance when everything else seems to be falling apart. And in that way, our mothers, like Mary, help us to more clearly understand God's love for each of us. And that's the heart of the Christmas story. We believe that God loves us so much that God would risk anything to be with us. 
that God would trust a poor migrant family to carry the hope and light of the world. And if you think that's unbelievable, consider this. God still trusts fragile and faulty people like you and like me to carry that same hope and light into the world. Like Mary, God calls us to share hope with someone who's almost given up. To share light with someone who's trapped in darkness. To share life with someone who can only see death. And just as God did this once in time, God still calls to each of us, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to bear witness to the love which Mary held in her womb. And that love which in turn holds all of us. Remember Mary, her love, her witness, and remember her child, the Savior of the world. Let us pray. O Lord, we give you thanks that in your mystery and in the miracle of the birth of Jesus, you came to dwell with us. We pray that you would give us the faith of Mary, that even though we don't fully understand or comprehend how the promise that in you we will find peace and hope, joy and love, that that promise can be trusted. That in the midst of uncertainty and of the unknown of what tomorrow might bring, in Mary's example, we see one who fully trusts you. And so give us that faith. Help us to see even when we don't yet know. And like Mary, help us to simply put one foot in front of the other. And as we bear the light of the world into the world, help us know that we never walk alone that in the great example of those who have gone before us, but in also the promise that you are with us. And therefore, we do not have to be afraid. As we draw near the end of this season of Advent and glimpse into the morning of Christmas, we pray that the light that we see in Jesus would illuminate our hearts and that we would reflect that glory, that love, that simple obedience and trust, that we would reflect that into the world. As we seek to follow the one who was born of Mary, who grew in stature and in faith, and who one day with his disciples, taught us to say,
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.